Hey guys, this is Adam from the podcast and you are listening to Quick Clips. Quick Clips are condensed versions from one of our previous podcast episodes, featuring some of the interesting things our guests had to say. If you want to hear the full episode, we'll have it in the show notes below. And with that, let's start the show. So when did when did AMG become a part of Mercedes-Benz then? I would say it was probably mid 90s, maybe early 90s. Yeah, that but, sounds that seems about right. Yeah. So did you guys uh you know you mentioned that you um had a Porsche in there. What's mm-hmm. the um what's the Porsche speed brand that's there's RUF but then I think there's another one, isn't there? Um Yeah, uh, there's a couple. I yeah. mean like Sharkworks and all those guys, they do a bunch of stuff. Do you guys ever mess around with any of those? You know, I mean, not too often. Um, you know, we we didn't dive a ton into the European side because the Lexus was so busy for us, right? Mm. Um, I was doing, we were doing the port of entry work for Toyota and Lexus, so they were one of the very few manufacturers that, bef- if there's any damaged transportation, goes to a hub and then it's inspected at the hub before it goes to a dealer, right? So most brands they actually just let the dealers figure it out and go, hey, send it to whatever xyz body shop and there's no quality control if you're doing it that way right the dealership just they're independently owned they fix decide whoever john next door could fix the car for all they know uh lexus toyota they it went to an actual port of entry inspection point and then that i mean talk about meticulous it's like every car is a million dollar car to them you know whether it's a toyota prius toyota corolla or a brand new lexus r you know like an rca or an f sport or whatever so uh we were actually doing all the port of entry work um for the midwest hub for them and that was a really cool learning experience working with them for i think they had that they closed that about like five years ago i think but wow. we, we did that for i don't know 20 years i would say what were some of the biggest lessons that you had doing management at a really young age uh, well relatively to the industry yeah. i guess i should say um what was it like leading people that were older than you um you know that type of thing which maybe in your position was a little yeah. bit of a different story because like these guys are like family to you right yeah i think yeah i think that was probably the uh, i think it's just learning you know it takes time really a long time to learn how everybody has a different personality you know everybody needs to be worked with a little bit differently and trying to read that and understand that i think i was lucky to have a lot of the respect from the guys because they knew that i already did it all right and they have a ton of respect for my dad and they know that hey we're doing things the right way we want to do the best you know it wasn't like just some kid walking in there going do this do that do this you know we never really had that kind of attitude Mm. um but it didn't mean we have a ton of different challenges you know but you can either succeed or fail from them and if you fail you learn how to succeed next time hopefully you know that was kind of the biggest thing is that you're gonna screw up you know even the best of the best are gonna screw up but like okay how do we move forward what do we do next you know and trying to learn from any of your failures and having a good supporting cast you know and and having people like mike and that whole entire group of great friends that you always have somebody to really rely on too you know what are you guys doing to check yourselves as a shop in any process to make sure that what you're doing is the actual best way and that um it's the is the right way yeah uh that's actually funny you mentioned that because there's i mean even like today right last two years have been a super struggle right you could list a million excuses of why things are they are the way that they are today and you know it's about focusing on just kind of improving those and reaching out to people and how do i prove them these things because you know you, when you're at your own location every day 
it's really hard to see certain things and you could have somebody just walk in the door and be like holy cow why are you doing that You're like oh crap I, I, that's a good question you know and and i think it's just good to have you know other insight onto that but also be able to realize where your flaws are and being okay with reaching out to other people and be like hey we need help here like what what are your thoughts how how do, how do you think i can move forward from this situation you know um like right now i mean we were short on estimators things like that so we fell fell behind on closing of files like hey we obviously we had a, a lack of processes here what do, uh, let's get back on track you know how are we going to get back on track and i think if you have the right team and culture it's it's easy to get back on track you know those type of things have you guys ever worked on culture like purposely done like shops mm -hmm. or anything like mm -hmm. that um, yeah on that yeah i mean uh we had people go out to like uh, discover leadership mike jones things like that and then even just you know it could be as simple as just doing barbecues during the summer and things like that where the guys get a break and you know um but yeah there's quite a few different things hmm. and is that something that you guys are still investing in all mm -hmm. the time yeah most definitely hmm. interesting it's it's funny that you um do you guys have problems attracting like younger talent just like everybody else in the industry <clears throat> yeah uh definitely i mean i think you know we we're very heavily involved in our community um and that, I think that kind of goes a long way. Like, uh, it's kind of hard not to see our faces somewhere <laughs> at a community event. You know, I'm on the Main Street Board of Directors. Uh, my mom was like, she was on the United Way Board, Chambers, um, you know, uh, you name it. She was like Citizen of the Year for Batavia like three years ago. Like, there, anything in the city, we're always trying to like, you know, do anything we can to give back to our community, but then also put your face out there, you know? What's your guys' process like when you bring on younger talent? Like, what are you uh, what are you guys having them do? Like, are yeah. you having them sh start by sh sweeping the floor and squeegeeing and everything like that? Or what's, what's Yeah, the there's, there's a lot of different ways you can go about doing it. You know, we like to definitely promote from within. Um, our head painter at my Naperville location, he started as a porter, and he's been with us probably for almost 20 years. You know, um, we've had estimators start off as porters, uh, preppers painters body techs you know you name it like just getting somebody younger in the door and then kind of trying to just feel out their personality and what their gifts are and seeing if there's a different way we can make them succeed not only to help the company but to let them grow as well as you know uh, as just being good people are you noticing a difference in the way that you or your team handles younger talent versus kind of like the older guys i'm guessing by the time people get a couple of years under their belt in your guys' facility, there's not really a whole lot of hand-holding that goes on. Like, they're pretty self-sufficient. They can do their own mm -hmm. thing. But, like, how are you guys handling younger people and, and trying to help them get to the point where they want to stay and succeed? Yeah, it's tough. I would say every individual is just going to be so different. You know, some some people, they just are kind of no-nonsense. They just want to get to work, and they're on time, and they want to do this, do that, you know, and they just want to work every day. Some people, they're like, hey, I want to work three days a week. <laughs> You're like, okay, well, this is a new experience. <laughs> you know, uh, It's not really the way our industry is focused. It's tough to do what you got to do. But, you know, it's just trying to learn everybody's different challenges and, like, how that's trending, you know. I mean, we're not really – if you're working in the back of the shop, it's not really a work-from-home type of job. <laughs> yeah. Know? So. In general, if you offer unlimited vacation, <clears throat> that means that – there's no vacation time that you can pool up, which means that when you leave, you can't be paid out vacation time. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess every state law is probably be a little bit different. You know, I mean, like everybody has their own handbooks and rules. Like we, the way we have our stuff set, like that wouldn't really apply. Mm. You know, so like everybody has to take X amount or take a cash. <laughs> yeah. Like this is what you get. <laughs> yeah. It, it was just interesting when I started looking into that a little bit, like in the policy handbook or whatever, it right. literally just says like, well, because it's unlimited, we can't give you an unlimited amount of money. Yeah. So well, we just won't pay I guess, you for it. <clears throat> more so with that though it's like just the younger generation i feel like it is a little bit it's it might not seem as attractive because uh, it's it's hard work you know it can be a, a stressful intense and hard working environment you yeah. know so for the younger generation you know that may be a little bit intimidating when you walk in as a 19 20 year old and you have a, a i mean average age of a body tech now we're talking 50s <laughs> yep. you know that's could you imagine dealing that when you were 19 going oh boy like this is a very intimidating environment against all these professionals who've been doing it their whole life you know so just trying to get that to grow a little bit you know is, is definitely a focus is there is there anything that you've learned um as far as like parts acquisition wise or just supply chain wise mm-hmm. that you could give advice to some people that are listening to this to you know, because if everyone's having that problem, is there anything that has really worked well for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, especially with like cer- certain dealers, they'll have a little bit more access to people in the supply chain that they might think, depending on what maybe what their volume or relationship is with that dealer. And I would definitely advise to maybe, you know, put put try to put yourself in the front of the line if you can. <laughs> you know, obviously everybody wants to do that, but you know, we've been able to kind of position ourselves where maybe uh, we might get that part little bit quicker than somebody else you uh you've mentioned quite a few times that um build a relationship with your dealer and everything like that yeah 100 percent. hey guys adam from the podcast i hope you are enjoying today's episode just wanted to ask you a quick favor if the show has brought you value in some way would you mind giving us a review and sharing the show it really helps the show get out there also if you are looking to expand the services that your shop offers and you want to do more than collision work you should really check out our company clarity coat Clarity Coat is a peelable paint that allows body shops to offer color changes cheaper than a repaint while still looking like real paint. You can also offer clear protection that has no edges and is sprayed instead of laid. Unlike vinyl and PPF, Clarity Coat can be sanded and polished, so you can give your customer the exact look that they are wanting. If you are looking to expand your shop's services, go to ClarityCoat.com and fill out our Become an Installer form. All right, let's get back to the show. Weird, again, kind of a um obtuse question but how what are you doing exactly to build relationships with these guys um you know just putting a face on it making as many contacts i mean number one you have to do your your focus is on the relationship you're always gonna have to have things that everybody else is already gonna have right like you always have to go in there anticipating that somebody's gonna deliver as good as quality or as good as service is what you're doing right like we've realized over the last probably like six years since we're with Mike that you have to anticipate that everybody's doing a great job at all these things. Right. Uh, Cause if you're, if that's what your uh, approach to selling you is, is uh, it's not really going to work. Right. Because you should already be under the uh, assumption that everyone's already doing great quality work and everybody's providing great quality service. So what are the other things that you're going to be able to do though, that go above and beyond, you know, and making sure that we handle those type of things, you know, uh, that's kind of our, our biggest goal. Is there anything that you guys are looking to branch out into as far as just like a different line of work or anything like that? Was there, you know, when you're having this internal team discussions, Mm -hmm. 
um is there anything that someone brought up that you're like oh dang that's actually a good idea like we should really look into doing something like that uh i would say sublet work is huge i mean that's something that we've always been discussing on you know it's it's tricky um you need a lot you need space you know you need additional text additional training additional equipment it's basically a third company so but like calibrations uh all that type of stuff is uh, you do realize that some dealers have no idea what they're doing you know you literally have to walk through and hold their hand i mean we had to go to the point where if we send up a vehicle to a dealer they need to take photos of them actually doing the calibration and that you know we bring them the procedures this is how it's done this is how we want you guys to do it you know a 500 hundred dollar calibration then you get a bill for 99 dollars. you're like whoa Clearly, they didn't do it, yeah. <laughs> you know, and the liability is going to fall on us more so than anybody else, you know. So you got to make sure that that they're doing everything the right way. Is uh, some of this other sublet work that you guys are looking into, or mm-hmm. um, are thinking about like PDR um, or yeah. e- like window tint and stuff like that, or like what, uh, not what really. Big, what were some of the big ones that you're looking at? Yeah, I mean the calibration would be the biggest. I, I mean by in and far, we do have in-house paintless dent repair. Um, and things of that nature but you know i think calibration is definitely number one gotcha okay yeah because i mean that pretty much sums up a lot of different things you know you're gonna have all of your alignment machines and you know all those types of different things have to go all hand in hand and is that something that for the average shop out there you would say that they should be looking at and um trying I mean, to push to I, be able to do that everyone's positions would be so different you know I mean, it, like I said, it's it's basically a second company. You know, you're in a, it's a totally different business model, even though they go hand in hand. But you know, it's it's you have to literally probably create a second company, especially with the way certain insurance handles the way that they do things. You know, it, it's it's just what it makes sense for us personally to keep it probably under the same name, even though it would be in house. Is there anything that you would tell people that are listening? that they should definitely think about doing or um, stuff to think about for, you know, just the next five years to make themselves better or grow more. Uh, Factory training. I mean, that's going to be number one thing you got to focus on. Uh, OEM repair procedures, factory training like those. If you aren't doing that now, you're, you're, you're going to be, you know, it's going to be a very steep learning curve very quickly with, with the technology of vehicles, you know, I, I know a lot of people say it, but like you have to actually do it too, you know? So that's the number one thing I would do. All right, that does it for today's quick clips. If this episode has brought you value, would you mind giving us a review? Also, if you would like to learn more about Clarity Coat and what it can do for your business, please visit us at claritycoat.com. See you on the next one.